hello and welcome to Talking Moves, a podcast from Greenwich Dance, where dance artists come together to talk about their work and practice, the things that matter and the issues which move them. I'm Melanie Precious and in this episode I will be talking to two artists about making work with and for young people. In this series we've been particularly interested in delving into choreographic approaches to different types of work. We've looked at work outdoors, we've looked at work for families and for digital technologies. But what happens when your cast are all under 25? How do choreographers harness young potential, amplify the stories they want to tell and create work that is relevant to young people of today? And once made, who comes to see it? We talk to two artists about their approaches to making work with young people and reflect on what might have shifted as we think about the purpose and audiences for this exciting genre. We have with us Alessandra Soutan, Artistic Director of Vocab Dance and Guest Artistic Director of the 2020-21 cohort of the National Youth Dance Company. And Temujin Gill, Artistic Director of Grounded Movement and creator of Hopes and Dreams, a new choreographic framework designed for schools. Welcome, Alessandra from Senegal and Tem from Sweden. So we're really playing to Zoom strengths this morning. Thank you for being with us. So talk me through a little potted history of your career to date and just identify the places where an interest in young people perhaps started to emerge from you. Tem, would you start us off? Great. Okay. Hi. Nice to be chatting to you again, Melanie. It's nice to Um, see you. Yeah. So I'll be as brief as possible, (laughs) although my history is quite long. I know. I know it's a challenge. But I think this relates to where my interest in young people came as well. So I started dancing. That was a response to my difficult life, let's say. I had a very difficult start to life and my self-esteem was quite low. And I discovered dance in a nightclub, actually. (laughs) I was going to a nightclub a bit too soon, but that was fine. And through getting through dance then, I enjoyed it and started to feel better about myself, which was the start of a whole journey. And it's really not stopped. I've still got a very vivid memory of that experience. From there, I watched Fame. I did all of that sort of stuff. I didn't really dance for a long time, like formally, like classes. I think I started about 16. I did talent shows, really enjoyed that creating my own stuff to tracks that you love that still relates now Mm -hmm. to what I'm doing with young people Mm -hmm. and then I went to a dance college it's now called Lewisham College and I did a year of training there which was an amazing experience wow I was doing ballet which was like nothing I'd ever experienced before with leotards on and everything (laughs) it was a really lovely environment a nice cohort of other people really vibrant and diverse people from like proper off the street you know in those days it was totally hardcore but that whole time was like really magical Then I went to London Contemporary Dance Theatre for, I was supposed to do three years. I didn't quite last. The environment just was not for me. I loved parts of it, but other parts of it just didn't mix with me. And and my father died during that time as well. So everything sort of switches and challenges and you just have to make big decisions for yourself. And then I got involved in dance. I didn't stop because I was working with this group called uh, South East London Youth Dance Company Mm. with a guy named Keith O'Brien amazing person I'm so glad I met him and there was a lot of young people that were just coming from different perspectives some people from Lewiston College but also others just from off the street it was a free class so they had funding but it's a free class run at the then sort of annex of the Larbin Centre and we just had lots of fun and we had a performance group as well during that time actually I remember Keith was really good with me because he knew I was slightly more mature. And he asked me one time, do I want to choreograph something on or teach the younger kids within the session? And I said, 
yeah, why not? And I enjoyed that so much. And it sort of just felt natural. And it's the first time I'd ever taught. Maybe there's just a perspective that you have in life that means that you like to share basically there's a natural thing to share in but I really enjoyed that and I also did some choreography within that group as well I left London Contemporary Dance Theatre but then I found another company called Jive and Lindy Hoppers that were amazing doing like proper old school vernacular jazz dance stuff that I'd only see glimpses of on black and white movies there was this magical world that I'd never known about and that infused me so much that I got back involved in dance I went on tour for four years around the world I thought wow this is the life and it was for a time left that company because I still needed to progress myself for my own company in 1993. Hardcore, really difficult experience, no funding, going out, doing rural touring, had a lovely group of dancers. Eventually, I couldn't sustain that anymore, nor could they. So then I just started doing individual projects, research and all of that. I got a relationship with Greenwich Dance, which was really nice. And then I did Olympics, which was an amazing opportunity as well. This has come out of a lot of different things I've been doing, just getting out there, doing projects, events, working with people, engaging with people people as well as artists and performing and then form my own company grounded movement and here we are i will stop there <laughs> that is a romp through your career and i've loved every moment of it thank yeah. you alessandra how about you so going back to your question about youth i think uh, it's a different route i grew up in brussels belgium and uh, i like to say that i always dance because my family was very musical and on sundays we would have brunches and i would always be dancing with my brothers my mom my dad and i wow. think those were my first steps especially i was inspired by my brother who was a hip-hop dancer at the time and he was in a crew and i would always you know watch him dance and he would take me with his friends and we would go in car parks and train but on the other side, in parallel, I remember walking past this ballet shop with my mom and was quite fascinated by the outfits. And I was pointing out to my mom that I really wanted to do that. So my mom enrolled me in this local school on a Saturday where I was doing tap and ballet. And then I would do also, you know, hip hop and different street styles with my brother and his friends. So those were kind of my once a week thing with my ballet and tap and then with my brother. And I think in the difference with living in England and growing up in Brussels was that we didn't have as many opportunities as young people uh, where you would have all these centers that would cater for young people. You had to create your own thing. And at school right. in the playground, I was always kind of gathering girls and boys and creating routines, taking my tape and recording yeah. tracks and then taking a boombox and creating routines and trying to always incorporate those routines into the end of year shows but by my own initiative because no one did it so that's what would happen and when I would go to summer camps it would be the same thing I would always be the one asking can we do a dance at the end you know so I would always be kind of creating dance with the groups of people and we would be dancing so that was kind of our motivation to move and on top of the other things that I was doing. But then I didn't continue dancing because my parents were saying, you have to go into studies. So as a compromise, I went to the Royal Academy of Fine Arts where I was studying fine arts. And that was my kind of contract. And at 18, I left to come to London. You know, having gone to London a few times with my parents, quite like the, in a way, the diverse culture and the people and the vibe in London. So I came to London with the idea that I would dance and train, but then Things shifted a little bit for me because I arrived and the reality of living in London compared to Brussels kicked in where you had to survive in this big city. So that yeah. was my thing. And then later on, I then 
got to meet people and ended up going into a college for one year where I was dancing with the younger company of Ivory Dance. So I met Beverly Glean yep. and started training wow. with them. And that's where I started, in a way, getting connected to Caribbean dances, but also contemporary dance. Because I had done modern dance in Belgium, but it was very different to what was happening here. And then when I finished that college, you know, I was encouraged to audition for dance school. So I auditioned for, you know, all the main kind of conservatory. And I got into a few and decided to go to Laban. So that's where I started my training but whilst I was at Laban I realized at the same time in parallel I was working with a woman called Carol Straker as a Saturday yep. job I was working there selling dance yep. gears because I thought if I want to you know get into teaching or any other alternative work that has to do with dance I have to have my feet inside a dance kind of organization and then Carol one day said oh do you want to assist me teaching ballet for young people so I was like okay so I started assisting and it was very interesting because the school was very diverse but the majority of young people were of Caribbean or African descent. And that was very inspiring because I never had that growing up. I was always the one, the only one. And I thought it was really inspiring to see how Carol and her team were really inspiring these young people into ballet or forms that yeah. I kind of suffered because I had teachers who were really kind of prejudiced and would always kind of push me aside and say, oh, you've got flat feet, you've got this, you won't succeed, you know. And what I saw when I when I observed them was that encouragement and that push with young people. And I thought that as a teacher, you know, even though my aim was to be a choreographer, but even as a teacher, I would always want to push young people and give them the opportunity to shine regardless of who they are. So that was really the first kind of step of inspiration into working with young people. So through that, I was working with young people and at the same time training. And then when I came out of training, I was choreographing, but I always had my feet with young people and working with young people because I felt yeah. the best way to kind of create the dances of the future is to inspire the young people because in a way all those who came before me and inspired me gave me an opportunity so that's that's in a way what I was doing so you know now I'm here I've created my own Amazing. company and I'm you know as you know I'm yeah. IDC and working in Senegal as yeah. well with Ecole des Sables so yeah that's me. Wonderful. And how yeah. interesting that actually both of you have got this South London connection, even though you're both in different parts of the world right now. There's sort of something that's still pulling you back to South London. That is cool. So you talked about those artists for the future. And I wanted to talk to you, of course, more about that, Alessandra, because you are the guest artistic director of the National Youth Dance Company for this year. Tell us about the company and what it's trying to achieve. So this company is very interesting because it's, for me, in my eyes, it's trying to really bring the talent of young people on the foreground and their hunger and their potentials on a professional platform and level with a lot of support. That's what I'm seeing. And with this year's cohort, I think me being, you know, guest artistic director, being female, being a brown woman, you know, it's very interesting. It's the first time it happened. So it's very exciting because I'm sure a lot of young people were inspired by that and some of them are also there because of that but also the history of NYDC and what I'm seeing is that they're all hungry and that's what I always noticed when I would watch yeah. their shows is like the level of professionalism is very interesting to see and now to experience as a choreographer with them how much they want it and how important it is for them and therefore the amount of effort they put into the work it's very inspiring I'm like whoa 
I mean, all with these young people. Yeah. How many have you got in the company? Well, we are 30. Usually it's 40, but because of this 30. year's whole kind of shebang thing, it's 30. Yeah. I, I like calling this year a shebang. That's brilliant. <laughs> Summarizes it. Yeah. And Tim, uh, just talking about your current work. So you've been immersed within the lives and stories of young people through your work on hopes and dreams. Tell us a little bit more about that. It's a choreographic framework which you've created for our Arts Unboxed platform. And uh, you've been in some schools in South London working and researching and developing that piece, I think. Would you like to tell us a bit? Yeah, I mean, it's been a really exciting experience. The brief was to do some work that was relevant to young people, maybe their experience. And I'd had some previous conversations, actually. I think it was a Zoom conversation with a group of young people that helped inspire this as well. And we were talking about the time. And it just dawned on me, because everyone talks about young people. And we say, oh, yes, your future. What job are you going to get? Your exams, where are you going to go on to? And and the energy that came from these guys, obviously, these people, should I say, is that we're during a pandemic. so. Now they're not at school, or they weren't at school then. They've still got these stresses about exams and proving themselves and and what job are they going to do. They can't get out. Yeah. Stuff is not moving forward in their lives then. And they just say, look, we just want to deal yeah. with now. Yeah. What's happening with us now, you know? So that really influenced what I did with the direction of this work, because it was really from their response, rather than me thinking, oh, this is good for young people. That's good for young people. It's actually, they were saying, no, this is actually really concerning us. There's lots of other things. So it felt like it was a really nice way in. But in terms of developing the work, I thought, well, I'm not a young person. What can I do? So then I said, well, I've just got to make it authentic. And so I just thought back to myself as a young person. And I just wrote some stuff based on that. Now, that was a really good starting point for me just mm. to get me into that world. Rather than trying to think, oh, what do they, what's really important to them? I just had to put yeah. myself back to that time. The reason why I'm saying this is because what I decided to do with this project is use expressive writing or creative writing as the way in to working with young people. A, because I find that a really good way of creating material and giving people a real idea of what they're doing, what's inspiring what they're doing, rather than just doing a series of secrets. Yeah. Yeah. five six seven eight and so it's part of my own creative process what? anyway and I thought well let's share this with the young people tell me more about that what do you mean by expressive writing you get them to write yeah so we first devised a piece that was based on expressive writing I won't go into detail on that right now but within the sessions what we say to them is we look at a few words and we get them to respond give us word plays with those words and then we take them to a point where they can actually bring those words right. together and write something but there's a brief so we give them a brief and say look okay we've talked about this issue with these words that you've played around with we want you to write something that you feel about this subject and it can be about yourself or about somebody else so then they just use some of the words that they've come up with and they put it together in just a statement just a piece of writing just a sentence wow and that was mind-blowing it was just mind-blowing what they created. And it actually, it was beautiful because actually when I was young, going through a lot of things I went through, and this is something I should have said to them, is that I had a lot of depression as I was growing up, a lot, yeah? It was hard. But one thing I started doing from a young age, and I didn't mm -hmm. carry on, was writing. I'd write my thoughts in a diary. It was proper, yeah. you know, confusing <laughs> stuff at times. It was like a form of poetry, really. I didn't call it that then, but it was. And I just did lots and lots. And I haven't done that since I was like 
probably 14, 15. Yeah. I haven't done it since that time, yeah? And this is like, actually, I just started doing it again, which was great. And I think that they felt, given the opportunity to do this, I'm just imagining that they felt, wow, you mean what I have got to say about myself is important yeah. rather than setting them a task, write an essay about this, write an essay yeah. about this person who lived in this time. Talk about current effect. No, this is about talking about themselves and how they felt. And so forgetting about the fact that we were going to do movement and dance and all of that and they'd seen the performance, yeah. you know, just that chance to do that. And I'm a dancer, but this was brilliant. Obviously, I'm committed. Yeah. This is the sort of work I like doing, yeah. but it's starting to come through now. I'm totally committed. I realise this is the future for me anyway, because of where my work's going to work yeah. with young people in this yeah. way. I can see you lighting up as you talk about it. Alessandra, you were nodding away there. Yes, because that's how I work, yeah. funnily enough, with the cohort of... I write words, spoken words. So I use different tools and I use my voice. I sing as well. So all of that goes into my work. But with this cohort, because of the fact that we're working also on Zoom, I took advantage of that and we did a lot of writing. And I guess them seeing me write inspired them. And we ended up with so much poetry, text. We had so many conversations about what was going on because the work that I'm doing with them is a work that I had done with my company originally, but it was about young people because I've got a son, he's 20. So he was kind of my inspiration. And the piece was really about all these stereotypes and what is put on to young people. So it was amazing that now I had these young people and mm. we could talk, really talk, watch movies and have debates and conversations and then write texts and also creatively write, give them different tools to writing. And a lot of them ended up writing poetry, mm. some are rapping, speaking, singing, because I work with a collaborator called Randolph Matthews, who I've been collaborating for 11 years. So they use their voices. I think using the voice and text is really empowering and allow you to release a lot. And yeah. I think for them and even for us. So that's why I'm nodding away because I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> Lots of synergies. And both of you also work with professional dancers. And would you say that this process, exciting way that you're drawing out young people's feelings and using text, is that only what you do with young people? Would oh. you do that in another setting as well? Is it is it, a, is it your process that applies to whatever group you're working with? Or is this a method that you use that is particularly right for young people? Alessandra, what would you say to that? I, like I say, I work with them in the same way that I would work with my dancers. Nothing yes. changes. It's Nothing just, changes. do you get a different response, would you say? Yes, there are some similar responses, but, you know, I guess with professional dancers sometimes, even though they're excited, but the years of experience kind of gives them this almost blasé feeling sometimes. They already know it all, whereas young people always have this curiosity and excitement. So it's very different, but I guess it's the same. For me, the process doesn't change. But it's interesting yeah. to see the young people that actually they have so much to say and the freedom to say what they want to say compared to maybe 10, 15 years ago, in a way. Something mm, about yeah. that training, isn't there, that can sometimes, not always, put that guard up and it becomes that barrier to natural expression. Like you say, you're unharnessing something so fresh in the work you're doing. Tem, yeah. is the process for you different, do you think, with young people? Is it the way you work with professionals or how does that play out for you? Yeah, I mean, strangely, thinking back, often actually I work much better with young people yeah. because you're starting from a much 
simpler and you, you do much more creative stuff because you have to. Whereas professional dancers, and, and don't get me wrong, the work I've done with the professional dancers, especially over the last couple of years, has been very, very illuminating in a way. I felt that they're finding their ability to play again because for me anyway, I'm going into new territory. But I think with young people, the process is basically the same, but both are evolving right now for me. But I think the thing I find a difference is with a professional dancer, you'll give them a brief and they'll go with it, yeah, to a degree, and they've got their own sort of ways of doing it. Whereas with a young person, you haven't necessarily got that background of language yeah. of, oh yeah, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this in that way. So you've actually got to be much clearer about Okay, so what can we do to give them pieces to work with? So you sort of break it down a little bit more and work with more immediate things rather than this is the end product. I don't think you can think too much about the end product with young people. I think you've got to look at, well, how do we get them out of themselves? How do we get them to find their voice, be it through writing, through moving, through vocal work as well? There's a journey there. Some people are really good at it. And some people, they're going through other stuff. You know, they don't even want to talk to you. you They don't want to be seen to do anything. And, And it was amazing what we did manage to do. But I think that was because we'd asked them about themselves. We'd yeah. shown ourselves as well, but we asked them about themselves. So it was like, okay, I'm in here, you know. That's really interesting. And I love what you say about mm. working with young people is not about the end product or always about the end product, but that process. But then I flip over to you, Alessandra, and I think about the brief that you've been given with the National Youth Dance Company. So I can imagine that that ethos might stay true, but actually you have to tour a piece that you've been commissioned to make with these young people. I'm also wondering about your commission this year. I think I'm right in saying that you took over from Russell Malifant in COVID. So you weren't pivoting your idea for COVID. You were creating creating it within the pandemic. How is that playing out for you, given everything that Tem has just said and you're nodding away at in terms of that richness of the process? What's that final piece going to be like for you? I mean, the process is still going to be so important. And I always say to the young people, enjoy the process because you will miss that process once we go into this kind of production week right yeah and, uh, get to the kind of yeah. thing on stage because the focus will change whereas the process we are playing we're discovering they're crying we're laughing we're bonding you know there's all these kind of moments so i always say enjoy this process because afterwards when we get into that final route we'll be all about the presentation of this process and that's very different it's a very different feeling but we'll still try and make it enjoyable but yeah it's been a stressful period to create work but I have to say that for me this period has just taught me so much about living day by day and I think I was already thinking about that luckily because I travel to the continent of Africa every year and there they live like that day by day so I feel like Mm. You know, there's a sense of resilience. Every day you just have to live it as you can, as best as you can, and tomorrow is tomorrow. But right now is right now. So that's how the process has been. We've been on Zoom, but you know, we've been making it work. I never thought I would work like that. You tell me that two years ago, I'd be like, hell no. But we've made it work. And mm-hmm. hopefully the next time we meet, we'll be in face-to-face. And it's exciting to see right. that we're already so close to the dancers. And we're thinking, what's going to happen when we all meet? Because there's already this kind of bond that has mm-hmm. happened you know virtually so we're like I don't know what's going to happen but yeah it's exciting so just to summarize you've got a number of zoom residences is that right and then you're going to all come back together you hope fingers crossed live and you'll be touring it live as well yeah lovely 
That'd be really exciting. So I'm going to ask you both now how you go about bringing those disparate experiences together when you're in a space. And Tem, I'm thinking here about you perhaps within a school setting. So thinking about the number of different levels of training that you might have in the room with a particular group and different dance experiences, what kind of tools might you use to unify them and bring them together? And and Alessandra had a quick look at the introduction to the company video, and they're such a gorgeous cohort of dancers coming from all kinds of different experiences, which you've showcased so beautifully with that video. But what's your common language as you come together and perhaps do your warm-up or your company class? What style are you choosing? How are you unifying all of that in the sort of training or approach? Have a think about that. Tem, how do you deal with your school setting? How do you bring them together and, and how do you warm them up even? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to bring them together is if you're expecting them to do something with you, then I think the idea of doing something for them is always good. Show a bit of yourself. So I think anything. And also it's fun. People like to be entertained in a way, you know, so the idea of some sort of demonstration or whatever really works nicely. Also gives them a sort of context of, okay, that's what we're going to do today. This could aim towards that. I like that. So I think you've got to have the degree of making it quite impressive as well. I think you've got to show skill. So they've got something to aspire to because ambition is a great thing, but also make it inclusive. And I know that's a really overused word, but in the presentation, I think you just, I work with performers that are very generous i like to work with generous performers it's not just about being good it's about somebody who can sort of invite and share and make contact and be close to people even when they are performing and then i suppose it's about being real just saying hello you know rather than just going into form this is a workshop let's get started it's about just talking about yourself so introducing yourself asking them a bit about them so we find ourselves finding some common ground and there might be a bit of questions about what they've just seen or whatever i think then it's about saying okay This is what we're going to try and do today. This is our aim. So they know what they've let themselves in for in a way, because you don't know exactly what they understand from what the teachers have said to them. So you've got to really say, okay, this is what we're trying to do here. And then I think for me, it's about allowing them to feel that they're part of a a really exciting process. Mm. So you just big it up. You say, this is exciting. You're going to inform me. You're going to educate me about what can happen in this space and I'm going to grow from that. And then, yeah, obviously it's about having a nice, fun warm-up. And really and truly, the way I warm up is proper old school. It's not, it's just like, let's have a jam together, you know, which is, you don't have to learn anything. People just flow with it. And if you have fun, people want to join in and then others get involved and then they give you energy and then you give them back energy. So it's about finding that place. And for me, it's just about put some music on that you like, that you think hopefully they'll like as well. So a nice variety is also important. And make sure you're with a group of artists that can bounce. They can bounce off of you and they can bounce off of children. And then we take that. So once you've got them moving, then we start to work with different ideas. And for us, in terms of working with physical material, we taught them a section of our rep. So something that they just seen and we built them into that and I think with young people sometimes you can get them just all doing something but I think if you can find ways to get them to emotionally engage with it Mm. and I can't big up call and response enough (laughs) it's proper I mean it's what a lot of cultures deal with it's musical it's rhythmical it connects people it gives a sense of fun but also maybe competition which then you can sort of raise the bar say look was that loud enough did you see what they were doing come on you can do better so it's about really using your own language I think really important to (laughs) not try and be like them or what you think they want you to be you have to be authentic to yourself Mm -hmm. and be proud of that and happy with that because then you're inviting them to say look 
I'm happy with me. I'm like this. Somebody I'm working with is like that. You can be how yeah. you are and it all works together yeah. in the same yeah. space. Do you know what I mean? And then just give them some time to develop some material. Ease back if you need to, because sometimes young people do not want to show, so I won't force them, but I will keep encouraging them. I will keep saying, look, we could just do this. Just do once, just once. And as soon as somebody does something once and you say, that's amazing, yeah, you've got to compliment people. And and yeah, give them challenges and say, look, let's try it this way, but compliment them for even just standing up and lifting mm-hmm. an arm. You know what I mean? Because it's so hard to represent yourself, especially I think with social media and all of that, there's all this pressure. And back there, that whole conversation I had, you've got to prove yourself. I think we've just got to big everyone up and give them loads of encouragement and enjoy it. And then if you can get them to a point where they can present something for each other and share it, that is really cool. That is great because then they think, Okay, yeah. I did that. It was difficult, yeah. but I did it. You know, I can do it. I can do other things as well. And that's why for me, art and all of that is just about facilitating. Come on, we can make ourselves better and we can enjoy our lives. It's a challenge. It's hard. Every experience is life yeah. is hard. It'd be boring if life wasn't hard. Do you know what I mean? And just like you were saying, when you're when you're meeting with people, Alessandra, you know, yeah. there's an energy. I went to the Gambia and I met yeah. a guy from Senegal. And my takeaway yeah. from that is that they've got hard lives. But when they invited us into their homes, they were happy. They were happy for us to be there. They were happy to have a cup of tea together, to share some of their music, you know. And there's this vibrancy mm. of life that I think we've just got to encourage yeah. and encourage and encourage, you know, because that's yeah. what's going to keep us going through these difficult times. It is, isn't it? Belief in young people is an incredible yeah. key to their success isn't it and I, and I use a little example which is not dance related at all but my son we do some training and boxing together and he used yeah. to do it before the pandemic and he was really really good but he's kind of lost interest you know the pandemic has just done such damage to young people's motivation and the instructor said the other day right we'll start the class again on Saturday and he went oh I'm not doing it and I just looked over at the instructor sort of pleadingly and he said well why don't you come on Wednesday and you can just help me train the adult and he went yeah sure And I picked him up from school and all he could talk about was how he was going to train him. And then Scott in between as we're, you know, running up and downstairs, he's just secretly doing a little bit of stuff with Owen. And, you know, and it's just that belief that he can do it that suddenly made him. And all it took was one sentence and his mindset had changed. So sorry, that's my little interjection there. I'm so passionate about this because, you know, (laughs) we've had our youth company kind of, the pandemic has blown a hole in it. And I also see the effect it's had on my children. So it's so exciting to speak to both of you and see how excited you are about them and their potential. So Alessandra, as I said, you've got this gorgeous company of diverse dancers with all kinds of wonderful styles and abilities and nuances to their personalities that's coming through in their expression. (laughs) How are you unifying them and what dance style do you choose when you want to do a warm up, do a task? What are you doing that that pulls them together? I do me. (laughs) You do you. I love this. And tell me about you. I do me. And that's why I was nodding uh, when Temujin was saying, you have to do you because that's the truth. You know, and I always say I'm dancing in my truth. I'm speaking in my truth. And what's my truth? I mean, yes, I've trained in so many diverse forms, but what I've kind of now developed is really I would say a contemporary practice that is rooted in, I would say, West and Southern African styles. But all of that meets with contemporary, meets with hip hop, meets with jazz, meets with so many other forms where they'll find their way. And the movement is really about, it gives you the same thing, strength, presence, power, all the things that you need in order to perform well. But it's also about groove. 
It's really about the groove, you know, and groove and moving and being alive and having a body that is existing, that is present, that is versatile, that is rhythmical, that is expressive. So that's how I was working with them physically. I always say we are living in the movement and your yeah. torso is your box of expression and you need, wow. you have to move that torso in order to express the feelings you have because whenever you're laughing, you're crying, you're pleasure, it all comes into your chest and your back so I, I work a lot with the torso the back as an expressive tool so that's how I was working with them but diverse dancers I work with diverse performers as well in my company I like the idea of different people already three of us we're not the same and it's interesting to see how I will offer something but how you interpret it in your body that's how I work with them it's not about trying to be a copycat of me I'm your kind of inspiration but I'm always about you take it you kind of mm, taste it eat it digest it and then you share it again with your flavor who you are but I encourage you to I challenge you in different ways but I still want you to try and stay true to yourself because even though you're in your development you still have your own personality so it's really important so that's how I work with them mm. I encourage them to stay true to themselves and to not mm. think that there's a hierarchy in dance and that certain styles are higher than others that everything is useful and that there's power in everything that you do so that's really what I encourage them both of you seem to be referring to music as well as in this conversation you both referred to music in your own upbringing your own recollection of why dance and young people is important to you and you've both dropped it into the conversation as we've gone through tell me more about that what kind of music do you feel is speaking to young people today or how do you approach the selection of the music that you use within a project or choreography that you might be doing with them? Who's the question for? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wait and see who leapt to it first. I mean, I mix because sometimes I use musicians. You know, I, I work a lot with musicians, but also the voice like polyphony's voice like for example in this cohort i was working with randall who was creating a lot of loops and voice but also because some of it i was in senegal so i had a drummer who was with me so that was very exciting for them to have the sound of drums i think drums get everyone excited regardless mm. of where you come from but when i use music i use percussive or house or something that has got a lot of groove and rhythms and is quite exciting and just takes you somewhere. Other music that I might use are very filmic or very atmospheric, which will also create something else with young people. Yeah. How about you, Tim? Okay. I quite like to use a variety of music, a nice mixture, generally stuff that I like, yeah. mm. but I often also draw for the people I'm working with because most of them are younger than me. So I say, you know, what do you like? And so that informs me quite a lot. I mean, obviously, you know, if you had a longer program with young people as well, mm. I would probably ask them to suggest some music that we can play with. And music's such a beautiful thing because it gives you that insight to people, to what drives us, what turns us on, what inspires us. And for me, as I think music as dance, you know, and I think this is a lot about a lot of African cultures yeah. sort of relate to this. And I really relate to it is that there's not a separation yes. between dance and music. I mean, to me, I, yeah. I wouldn't dance if there wasn't music, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of musicians, certain type of musicians wouldn't play if there wasn't dance it's almost like having an empty field and i'll go back to my little one she's four and a half she's almost five she is a whirlwind 
<laughs> I play music, not a lot, but when she's, and you said groove, Alessandra, when she hears a groove, man, she's going, she yeah. is going, you know. So whatever you do, use music that's got a good groove or that's got a really powerful yeah. melody, you know, those sort of yeah. inspirational sounds, you know, those tones. Get music that's got some good tones in it because that gets the mind going. As a dancer, as a mover, when I hear music, mm-hmm. I see yeah. things in my head. I can't draw it. I see yeah. things in my head and that translates to movement. And I see my little one do exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. We all have that to different degrees. We're all different, yeah? And it's great. So the music, it's like the sea, isn't it? It's like a wave and you just jump on it and play with it and not everything you're going to use a young person's going to like because they're in a whole different world, you know? But actually, one thing I found, which has surprised me, that works really well with young people. I mean, obviously, Motown is good. Yeah. A bit of Latin America, you know, dance stuff is good. But do you know what? They love blues, proper old school blues. And that is very emotive. It's very passionate stuff. And they relate to that, even though it's like from the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, they still relate to it. So there's certain things in the music language that I think are essentially international, universal and inspirational. And I think that's why it's good to have a connection with that and be able to relate to it. And I think this is the last thing I'd say is as an artist, I think it's really important to be able to interpret different music forms Mm. you don't have to be able to do a traditional gaelic irish dance Mm. or whatever but if you can feel interpreting music then you respond to it in your own way and surprisingly stylistically something quite interesting comes out and so on that level you know and you said what dance do you do well i wouldn't go in and try and do like you know a modern dance sometimes i will learn it from somebody just to say i'm willing to learn a few but i'm not going to try and go in there and teach something i don't know anything about you've got to do your thing you know but you can interpret it to a different piece of music as well if you're in that open world you know and free enough it's really lovely and i love that analogy of your little one dancing because i've always said that if you put music on a baby will start to dance their little knees will start to go won't they and possibly even grandparents and people that say they don't dance as soon as you put a beat on tap their foot kind of dancing alessandra with national youth dance company are you going to be using live music for the tour or do you not know yet No, they'll have composed music, but the piece has 10 microphones on stage. So they are creating, they are using their voices. So that's also sound. So they are also creating sound on stage on top of the composed music. Brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. I can't wait to see this. (laughs) I know. I've got my tickets booked. Tem, I'm going to go back to you for a moment because there's something that you talked about on an interview we did with you for Up My Street Online. And this was, Alessandra, I don't know, you might not have seen this, but when Tem was due to be part of a kind of cabaret performance that we were going to take at the community centres back in March and uh, we weren't able to do it. So we worked with the choreographers instead to create a community piece and we interviewed each one. And Tem's was going to be drawing some of its experience from Ragtime to Grime, which was a piece in progress. And you talked, Tem, in that interview about something which I've kept close to me called cultural amnesia. And I find this quite fascinating. You were talking about young people Mm. and cultural amnesia. Tell us a little bit more about that, because I think it's so relevant to this conversation about how we work with young people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cultural amnesia. We're all responsible for that. I think media is responsible for that. I think the music industry is responsible for that. (laughs) And I think schools and the idea that I think for young people, suddenly they they feel like, oh, I've just made this up or this is a completely new piece of music. And we don't see 
And the reason why I say it's a failing in a way is that we're not giving young people an opportunity to see a relationship, a connection between something that they're interested in and something that's happened before or that's still happening. So it's that sense of connection. And I think it's important to give people a sense of connection, not saying you have to know about this dance form or this music form. It's just know how it can potentially relate to what you're doing right now. And I think it opens a whole new world. So for me to find out about traditional jazz or what is called vernacular jazz dance that suddenly taught me so much about history cultural history political history that i hadn't really been interested in before so actually getting involved in culture and something that was quite exciting got me involved in politics into history and all of that so it's not just about not knowing when this certain jazz dance was done when this african dance in what country it's not about that it's about finding a relevance and a connection to you now and that that can give you some foundation to feel stronger and give you more sense of, okay, this music comes from this, and maybe it's introduced me to an aspect of myself, my own history, what might be influencing me right now. And therefore, okay, so I can see where I've come from, potentially. Mm. Now I can start to see where I want to go. Something about being safe to break the rules, isn't it? Knowing what the rules are, you sort of know that you can break them. Knowing something that's been tried, you know that you can deviate from it. You're not the only person responsible for creating and reinventing the wheel. Is it something around that? Yes and no, because I don't see it as rules or breaking rules in the sense I see Uh it as more of a sense of freedom right if you have connection to something it's not that that's the right or the wrong way it's just yeah okay i can see it now do you know what i mean it's just like pulling back the blinds and you can see everything around you and then you can really play you can really play and for me i don't measure myself right but i think i'm quite good at what i do and the reason why i think i am is because i've opened my curtains and i've seen such a rich life out there and i will continue to do that and i do that with young people i do that when i go into neuro rehab and i work with some people that are wheelchairs whatever i keep opening my curtains and the world just opens up and so i see it as as freedom i don't see it as rules yeah Mm. okay the opposite to what i said i love that liberation yeah i love that opening the curtains of freedom alison how does that feel for you she's no, smiling and no, I like that term open your yeah, curtains yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> now guys do I have 10 more minutes with you do you think <clears throat> Five. Five. Okay. Five maximum because I'm starting at okay. quarter past and I'd like to have five minutes on my own. <laughs> sure, of your own time. So let me give you two questions. This one for you, Alessandra, which is, I think that something's changing and shifting slightly in terms of audience perception of work with young people. And I might be talking from my own sort of standpoint here, but it feels like for a while we expected this kind of work to be frequented by the families of those performers. And it was often a tool that education departments would use as a sort of first step to building audiences as part of an audience development plan. But now it feels that this is much more embraced by the community as a whole. And you've got things like Bassey Arts Centres, Frankenstein with a beatboxing youth company that now lives on iPlayer. We can all see that uh, production. And Dan Canham's session, which used a youth company, mm. is described as a gig and it was on at the South Bank 
like, you know, and it's not just about the mums and dads and the grandparents of the young people. And of course, for you, that's particularly relevant with National Youth Dance Company because you're about to tour that. And I'm sure you're not relying on just an audience of family. Now, equally, I recognise that's the marketing department's job and not so much yours, but you are making a piece that is relevant to more than those families. And I wondered how that felt to you. Does that change your approach in any way? How does that sit with you, that way of making work that is for audiences that would see any professional dance would be coming to see this. Like I said, I don't make a difference. I come in the space and I'm making work and I guess there'll be an audience that's there for me. There'll be an audience that's there for the young people on stage. There'll be an audience that's there for the venues. There'll be an audience that's there maybe for the theme of the work or for the picture. I mean, I'm not going into the space anymore thinking about, oh my gosh, the audience, because I'm thinking more about, I want to make work that speaks to the people and for other young people and even adults to feel concerned or to raise questions because that's the way I work. It's about bringing up questions, putting out certain subjects that may not be spoken about and putting them on the foreground and creating conversations or you know raising awareness or bringing curiosity. So that's more my aim. It's about making sure the work speaks and shares something about them, about the world, about our responsibility in terms of who they are as young people. So it's really about that. The rest, yeah, I know there'll be people because of the places we are going. So I'm not really thinking about that. I think it's very different because I'm here as a maker and a creative. So my focus is not as much on the aims and the outcomes of the performance in that sense, in that kind of arts council kind of brain. It's more about what is it going to do to the audience and the exchange with the young people and how are they going to feel about doing it and bringing it out to the world and the response that it's going to have in regards to them that's yeah. the aim beautiful and just to finish then I always like to round these podcasts up with a bit of a sort of reflection for myself really about how I can make Greenwich Dance better inspired by the conversation that we've had and so the question I want to ask you both what do young people need from cultural institutions right now like Greenwich Dance oh god <laughs> how long have we got <laughs> <laughs> you have three and a half minutes because Alessandra has a rehearsal to get to Tim. Uh, space, you know, they need a voice. They need richness of culture, real richness of culture coming in. They need recognition of themselves, you know, what else? I, I almost I just want to feel like words, you know. I think they need to feel that there's a relationship between what they're doing and their lives. Although an artistic experience is really important, and I think it is, they just need to be enlightened to the fact that this can really enrich their lives. Mm. So to see some examples of how it's enriched other people's lives. That's lovely. I think rather than looking at, okay, this image that looks pretty, and that if you hit this image, you're going to be good, more so about the relevance to I just keep going to picking us up. There's a real purpose to art and communication and expression that I think out of this time is really yeah. so important that we have to celebrate that and we have to shine a light, signpost how that can develop for you mm. and give them examples of real people. I love that, that. Doing role models. And not just yeah. people that get awards, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, people that are on the grassroots level. Alessandra, what about you? What do you think to that? I mean, I totally second what Temujin just said. 
But I think representation in a very diverse way is very important. Yeah. I mean, all the young people who come, they need to see a real sense of representation. And I would say transparency as well is important, you know, with them in terms of cultural spaces, but also allowing for many different young people to be there and have a diverse range of teachers. And like Temujin said, people who are also on the ground working hard, who have had a longevity and experience in their work and can really share something with them because there's a tendency, I guess, to always have certain people under the light and others working in the background, kind of in the dark. And I think those people need more space to be underneath the light because they've been doing so much more in the communities rather than just on the big stages or on the big platforms. So it's really important for, for that to be seen and heard. Yeah. Also, that, I think that gives a message that there's different ways to achieve and be successful in your life as well. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there's not one above the other. No. And that going into a dance school is not the end of everything, that there are other ways to get to where you are. And I think like it's a great example of what we were just sharing, that regardless of the route you choose, your passion and your drive will carry you through. And the people you meet and the leaders that you meet or other people you meet will inspire you regardless. So yeah. I think, yeah, that's an important thing to think about. Well, I think the two of you absolutely live up to that ideal. Such amazing role models. Thank you <laughs> both. And that does feel like a, a good place to stop. So if you would like to hear more episodes about subjects moving artists of today, search for Talking Moves wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and of course, spread the word. And for more information about Alessandra and Temujin, head on over to greenwichdance.org.uk. And do remember, if you know someone you think we should talk to or have a topic you'd like us to talk about, please tweet us at Greenwich Dance. But for today, that's it from us. And do join us next time for more Talking Moves. Alessandra, I know we've got you right <laughs> up to the wire, so thank you. Yeah, thank you, Temujin. Nice Alessandra, to meet you. nice to meet you too. <laughs> Maybe we'll meet in person. Yes, we will. Okay, have a good day and see you.